SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. And our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Hello. And we have a very special guest this week. It's Twitch streamer, artist, and chaos gremlin, Ashley Rovato. Hello. Uh, hello, hello. You asked specifically for a cursed topic for this this episode of SciShow yes. Tangents. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about a, a thought that I have sometimes. I don't know why I have it, but probably the most cursed object to be given by a stranger would be a nuclear bomb. What would you do <laughs> if a stranger gave you a straight up atom bomb? What would you do? I, th- I don't know. I'm like, what's the thing? What's, what's my first step if oh I'm given the most powerful weapon ever devised by hum- humankind? I wasn't expecting to join this and be given a question about half a step into war crimes. Um, Look, it's not a war. You didn't do any war crime. You just true. you were handed a package. But what if I do the wrong thing? I, I, you know, like 
Like in the Marvel movies when they all just like turn to dust. I feel like my level of anxiety (laughs) would just go from zero to like a thousand so fast. I would just from the feet up just disappear into dust (laughs) to the ether. (laughs) I mean, I'm very worried about calling the FBI and being like, now I don't want you guys to panic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might get in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's more like I'm going to I'm going to put it down over there and I'm going to be here watching it. And I, and I've got my hands up. This is my address. Come over. Can I ask some clarifying questions? Mm-hmm. Where are you when you get it? You are walking down the street in public. It's a pl- it's a place where you're often walking down the street. It's a place in public that you go frequently: grocery store, coffee shop. So, is this like a case where someone has been watching you and waiting to deliver mm. this atom bomb specifically to you, or is this just somebody who is just trying to? Trying to just do this to someone. They're trying to get rid of it. They're okay. like, oh, I wow. like I this is this <laughs> package is too hot for okay. me. I thought oh. I I got it over my head. And then okay. they need you. And also, does it have a clear mechanism to trigger it? Or do you not really know how it works? No, you have no idea how it works. Oh shoot. You know okay. it's an atom bomb. You don't know how it works. You know it's <laughs> okay. you're not worried it's gonna go off automatically. Oh. Oh, well okay. then I would drive it to the ocean. And I would <gasps> go into the, the ocean fish. and drop it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not going to blow up right when I drop it in the water. I'm not going to blow yeah. it up. I'll just push it in You're the gonna ocean. You're going to hide it? You think somebody will find it eventually? Yeah. I think I somebody think will so. find it eventually. It's a big, long time between now and the end of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The ocean might dry up. Gosh. What about if I bring it to the Marianas Trench and I drop it in the... That seems more likely for someone to find it, actually, because somebody would explore it and be like, aha. I'm also not confident in your ability to get there with an atom bomb. Well, okay. I'd have to ask you where it is first, and then then I'd have to ask for a ride over there. get a call from Sam. (laughs) What's the fastest way to the Marianas Trench? Don't ask any questions, please. <laughs> That's going to be written down as like red flag questions to receive from Sam in the future. Just yeah, put it yeah. somewhere. <laughs> like it's the moment you Google that, uh, you're on the list. Yeah, you're on the list somewhere. Like, what are you trying to get rid of, kiddo? Sari, what would you do with that? <sighs> well, if movies are anything to go off of, this, the moment someone hands me the atom bomb, there are like three separate groups that are out to kill me and steal it from me already. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, yeah. So like the person didn't want it because it actively put them in danger. I would That's probably, totally you know, probably go to the most deserted area I could just like the minimize ocean. the damage. No, the like a desert, like a like a flat. Maybe the, the ocean. You have to go in the shore, Ron. People go to beaches to relax. Not <laughs> desert area. Okay, go to the worst beach in the whole world <laughs> and go. Yeah, no, but I think I would, I would go for land, not water. Would you detonate it? Oh, uh, no. I don't think I could be fast enough. Who? Yeah, I guess the question is like, who's the person? I mean, I know somebody who works at the White House. I could like text Rob. Yeah, we should ask Rob. Can, yeah. can you tell Joe Biden? That I have a nuclear bomb. <laughs> I feel like Joe Biden would not be the best person in this scenario. Joe Biden is very low on my list of people I would well, want to tell. I mean, he, he knows who to talk to, though. 
Joe, don't be True. don't be mad, Joe, but I <laughs> have something. Well, I think we got that well and truly taken care of. Every week here on Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts while also trying to stay on topic. Our panelists are playing for glory and for Hank Bucks, which we will be awarding as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of them will be crowned the winner. And because we have a guest this week, we will have two games, and I will be playing along with our panelists. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week from Ashley. Crust, crust is always a must, whether on a pizza or underfoot we can trust. Reliable and strong, protecting a gooey center within, be it on a floating space rock or in a little pie tin. Crust, crust is always around, in our mouths, on our bodies, or just underground. So give it respect it deserves. Let it take up some brain cell reserves. Crust, crust. Wow. Crust is, is, is nice because it is, it is both that really delicious part of a pastry and also the, the stuff we walk around all the time, which makes, makes me think for the first time that the earth might be a really just a gigantic g- goober of a crunch ball. I just call it. <laughs> yeah. It's got a gooey center, right? It's got a gooey a middle gooey and then it's got a hard center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's, got a, yeah. it's like three layered. So it's like it's got like a, a cake pop kind it's of. It's got like a little prize in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, it's got like yeah. one of those like hard chocolate balls with like the yes. like nicer like caramel outside it, and then it's mm-hmm. got the chocolate on the outside. Yeah, yeah, maybe a maybe some kind of malted material in the middle there. It's like yeah. a treasure. It's like a treasure on the inside because it's made entirely of valuable metal. True. <laughs> mm. oh, there you go. It is really the prize to get to. Sari, <laughs> Sari, what is a crust? You know, so the the when you Google like science crust, <laughs> then uh-huh. you're gonna get Earth's crust most likely. Yeah. Like a lot of geologists have dominated the market of Google results for crust science, which is the outermost shell of a planet like Earth. We've got continental crust, which is the stuff on land where I would dispose of the atomic bomb. We've got <laughs> um, oceanic crust. And that's where Sam would dispose of it, which is anything that's covered by water. Um, they're, uh-huh. they're various thicknesses. But really, when it comes down to crust, much like Ashley's poem, it's really like anything kind of dry and flaky and deposited, some like a hard outer layer on something. Mm-hmm. So pie crust. You've got bread crust. You've got like scabs are kind of like skin crusts. Mm, there's cryptobiotic crusts. Yeah. What's that? What's that? It's like a, it's like a, I don't know. I don't know. It's like a, it's like. A, a, <laughs> you just said it to sound smart. Yeah. You know, cool it's that stuff. That's like it's algae like, and stuff and lichen yeah, on soil, it's right? it's like living things inside of the soil and they hold the soil in place. And, and then if you step on it, you crush the structure that took a long time oh. to exist and it takes forever oh. to build back up. No. Um, it's, it's like a lattice between dirt uh, made out of living things. I just was in places once and they were like, well, don't step on the cryptobiotic crust. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, they've, right. they've spent a long time trying to grow there. So there's biotic yeah. crust, cryptobiotic crust. There's also mineral crusts, like when you let salt water evaporate or if you sweat mm. a lot, yeah. go for a long run, oh, you're sweating, then you get a little crusty. A little crusty. Like so many, I think this is why this topic is a little cursed because crust. Is it's like a little something that was gooey turned hard, and you're not sure if it's good or not. You're not sure what happens <laughs> when you punch through that crust. It's always a surprise, good or bad, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think 
a, cr- a crust is anything that hides a little surprise inside. <laughs> that's beautiful. Oh, Thank you. Fun. All right. That's not. That's not. <laughs> that's that's not cursed anymore. That's lovely. I want a pop. Yeah. <laughs> like and do we know anything about the word? So crust. We we actually talked about a similar root word when it came to crystal. So crystal comes from like the the root word cruce, k r e u s which means like a crust of ice, a thin layer of ice. Oh. Um, but that root word turned into the Latin crusta, which means any sort of shell or rind or bark or crust to refer to like the hard outer part of bread, but is also the same root word for crustaceans, which are just sure. animals. That makes sense. Yeah, the crustiest yeah. animals. Oh my God, the crusty crab. The crusty crab oh. makes so much more sense all of a sudden. <laughs> Wait, what's the crusty crab? Is that it's a SpongeBob thing? from SpongeBob? It's SpongeBob. Hey, come on, I'm, I'm old. That's Younger. like the oldest thing you've ever said. I know you, you <laughs> haven't gotten our Pokemon references, but not knowing yeah. the crusty crab. I don't. And that's oh. even an old guy thing at this point. So uh-huh. what does that say about you? Ancient. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> so lobsters are just like pop tarts. Yeah, lobsters yeah. are like pop tarts. Croutons are like pop tarts. Well, this sounds like it's going to be as a hot dog a sandwich thing again. I can already feel it. Well, now I'm like, is there, does an orange have a crust? Like, how crunchy oh. does it have to be? It has it, to be pretty dry, I think. All right. Well, I'll just dry it out first then. Yeah, I've seen some pretty dry orange peels. Like a really sure. old orange has a crust, but a, a freshy, <laughs> yeah. that's not a crust yet. Those Latin guys, they got almost all the words right, except they added one little extra bit to all of them. Crusta. Just cut off the uh. You know? <laughs> Seems like they're always doing that kind of stuff. You know? They're working harder, not smarter over there. <laughs> they just liked a little flair, like abracadabra. Yeah. You I'm don't obsessed. have an abracadab. You got to have that little uh. For oh, the, you mean the fancy. Off. You beat me to it. I was about to dab too. <laughs> Hank, do you know what dabbing is? Yeah, apparently, apparently I know what that is. I mean, I know what SpongeBob is. I just don't know all the different bits and bobs of down under pineapple land. Bikini, bikini, bottom. bikini bottom. Bikini bottom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now I think I know roughly what a crust is, which means that it's going to be time to play my game. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yeah. It's a tangents, crust, truth, or fail. Uh, so many things use or create crusts, as we've discussed, but some of those things just got to be too weird to be true. Or are they? Today, your crust truth-seeking skills will be put to the test in a game of Truth or Fail Express. I'm going to be telling you some kind of story about crust, and it's up to you to figure out whether or not that story is true. If you're right, you get a point. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Aye, aye, Captain. Thing number one. (laughs) Fin whales. He doesn't get it. He doesn't know what that's from. He doesn't get it. (laughs) What is it? It's SpongeBob, SpongeBob again. It's SpongeBob again. Is it SpongeBob thing? Okay. You just said, "Are you ready, kids?" Like, like just like the guy at the beginning. You know what? Just like Patrick Pirate. Are you ready, just kids? Like so Patrick okay. Pirate. Aye, aye, Captain. It's yeah. okay. the theme song. Fin whales <laughs> live under the sea, and they're one of the loudest creatures in the ocean. And their calls are so loud that scientists were able to use their vibrations to decipher the composition of a region of the Earth's crust. <gasps> Whoa. Is that true or false? What? I don't think that could be. Uh, they're moving. I don't think it's true. I don't think you could triangulate they're moving. where they're coming Cause from. Because they're, yeah. they're moving. That's Sam's opinion. Ashley? I'm going to be honest. Um, 
it just sounds so cool. And I love whales so much that I just hope it's true because yeah. if whales can just be loud and scream underwater and help scientists <laughs> out, that's pretty awesome. So I'll say yeah, it's yeah. true. You know, that that brought me around to it. I would love for anyone's screams to be useful to science. So I'm going to say it's true also. <laughs> the calls of fin whales can get to around 189 decibels, which is enough decibels to make them detectable by seismometers that scientists use to find undersea quakes. And recently, scientists realized that those calls could be an opportunity to study the composition of the crust beneath the ocean. So this is a true... Fact. Wow. Uh, we could Thanks, use uh, the vibrations to study uh, sediments and rock, but we usually uh, rely on tectonic activity. So, like, you have to wait for something to happen, or you can blast actually air guns at it. Uh, but that can mm. be bad for sea life, so you don't want to do that. But between 2012 and 2013, four seismometers in the Northeast Pacific Ocean were able to record six fin whale songs that were between 2.5 and 5 hours in length. And the seismic waves coming back from the songs were strong enough to help scientists study the structure of the rock 8,200 feet below the ocean's bottom. So wow. there we go. It's for Where real. SpongeBob's living. Hey. Yeah. That's a long, that's like, what, SpongeBob episodes are 15 minutes? That's yeah. like a Eleven. <laughs> 20 SpongeBob episodes. <laughs> We're equate everything in SpongeBob terms now for yeah. the rest yeah, of the episode. Man. Fact number two. In the 1980s, an outbreak of conjunctivitis at an ostrich farm caused a caused large dark crusts to form on the eyelids and skin uh, of Ew. ostrich of ostrich oh. chicks. Researchers found that the likely culprit was parsley that had gotten mixed into their food and was making the birds more sensitive to light. What? What the heck? <laughs> oh, wait! Does parsley yeah. make us more sensitive to light? I don't think so, but we're not ostriches. I know, like picking too many, picking like too many carrots or limes or something can make you more sensitive to light. I think, right? Like you rub off some kind of chemical on you that can give you sunburns or something. Am I, this oh, is, that's this lime. is real. Yeah, yeah. Lime, yeah. not oh. carrots. Carrots are like, uh, if you eat carrots, then your vision's better, just because it has like a certain vitamin in it. I think that's, I don't know, folk not, wisdom. Not so much of limes yeah. are you can get a burn from it because the acid in the limes reacts with your skin. It's like a, like a margarita there, sunburn or something like that. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh. <sighs> but birds, I feel like birds could be allergic to all kinds of stuff, you know? So, That's and they true. shouldn't be eaten parsley. Who's putting parsley in their food? I'm going to say this is true. I'm going to say it's false. I don't know. Seems it seems like a series of arbitrary things. Isn't it a weird <laughs> it thing really to make does. up though? So weird. It feels yeah. almost like too weird. And also, my mom has a farm and she has chickens, and I have seen those chickens eat basically anything. And so the mm. thought of a bird just vibing out on a farm eating like parsley and then having a really bad time seems a mm -hmm. little bit silly to me. I'm going to say it's false as well. Well, in 1988, researchers published a paper in the journal Avian Pathology was that was titled. Parsley-induced photosensitivity in ostriches and ducks. Chickens, oh, just no. fine. Ostriches <laughs> and ducks, not so much. So close. <laughs> it was based on a case of conjunctivitis that had affected young and adult ostriches at an ostrich farm in Israel, which had made the young ostriches all crusty. And it Aww. turned out that dry ground parsley from a nearby vegetable factory had gotten mixed in with the hay that they feed to the ostriches, which, uh, and when that was taken away from their diet, the symptoms cleared up. So, yeah. <laughs> Poor <laughs> little guy. like just a bunch of stuff. 
That was just tacked on, just like a Mad Lib style. Yeah. But it's real. Don't feed your ducks parsley. But chickens just fine. Chickens, uh, who knows? Chickens will eat anything. I don't, I don't think that's entirely that's true. true. Please don't feed your chickens anything. Oh, my God. I just know they eat a lot of stuff. All right. Our last fact. In the 19th century, a Polish veterinarian developed a technique to treat horse wounds by applying a leather disc to the wound, folding the skin around it, and then stitching the disc in place. The technique was inspired in part by watching bakers fold the edges of their oh. pie crust. I was like, where does crust come in? Oh, there it is. Okay. There it is. Sam does not look happy. Nobody looks happy. No, Just me. It was, it was a <laughs> weird image. A very, it, it feels too extensive for surgery. A horse wound, you've got to you insert <laughs> a leather disc and then you crimp the edges and you're like, that's yeah, a pie. Yeah. On my I'll horse. remind you, it's the 19th century. You don't need to, the horse to live for you to keep your job as a veterinarian. <laughs> yeah, you can just be like, here's they my new have. pie treatment. It's all yeah. the rage. I, I don't think this is true. It yeah, just yeah. is. It mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. seems like it seems like something easy to make up, too. Come on. It's not true. I don't think it's true either. No, there's no universe in which I think this is true. And someone would let. I mean, I guess he could have done it, I've... but it did, did it work. Did we did we hear that part of it? I guess he could have done it. I, I don't think it would have worked. <laughs> so this is the 19th century. And I mean, even how horses get treated nowadays, I think it wouldn't surprise me if someone was like, yeah, we'll try it. It's like throwing anything at the wall and see what sticks. I think it might be true. And I hate the fact that it could be. And I really mm-hmm. hope that it's not. But you're going for true? Yeah, going for true. This one is false. Oh, thank there God. is a, me- <laughs> <laughs> a method for human knee surgery that is called pie crusting, though. And what? it involves, as a doctor describes, quote, repetitive puncturing with a spinal needle. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Beyond that there's obviously a lot of poking going on or why the technique is called pie crusting. But I guess you do poke <laughs> holes when you've got the top of the crust so the air can get out or the hot, oh. get hot water. Oh. Um, I hope And there was a type why. of surgery used in Polish veterinary medicine in the, in the 16th, 19th century that involved inserted a letting, le- leather disc under the skin. Um, so that, that was, it's the worst of both worlds, actually. Yeah. This is yeah. true. It is a thing that did happen, but it mm-hmm. didn't have anything to do with pie crusting. Fantastic. <laughs> or horses. <laughs> yeah. All right. That means that we are headed out with Ashley with one point and Sari and Sam both with two. Next, we're going to take a short break. Then we will be back for the return of the gauntlet. <laughs> SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Slash Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as (laughs) the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the 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 part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, <laughs> yeah. Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know, I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my basement (laughs) of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. All right, everybody. Now Sam has a game for us. But first, a trivia question to decide the order of play. In a paper titled The Physics of Baking Good Pizza, scientists took on the age-old question of just how to best make a pizza. They had been traveling in Rome, where they learned from pizza makers that to make a margarita pizza, you need to bake it for two minutes in a wood-fired brick oven heated at 625 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. You'll need more time if you have more toppings. Of course, many of us do not have a wood-fired brick oven, which means that we don't have the dry heat, wood smoke, and slow heat release needed to get our crust just perfect. Luckily, the authors of the paper used thermodynamics to figure out how to mimic the brick oven conditions with an electric oven. According to them, the pizza should be in the oven for 170 seconds, but what should the temperature be? Whoever's, and then whoever's closest will go in order for my devious game. So if it's 170 seconds, it's going to be pretty toasty. I'm going to say 475 degrees Fahrenheit. 
I'm going to say 400. I think I, I think lower. I'm worried about it burning. But it's only in there for mere seconds. Yeah, it's 170 seconds. I was going to say 500. Okay. The answer is 450 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, dang it. That was my knee-jerk reaction. Like, <laughs> I cook my pizzas at 450, but it's definitely for longer than 170 seconds. So I'm like, yeah, it yeah. can't yeah. be. Yeah, but my pizzas wow. are frozen when I put them in there. <laughs> well, I don't think True. that's True. I don't think that's the kind of pizza they're shocking about. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> okay, that means that Hank will go first. And then in second place, I guess are you guys tied for how far away you were from the right answer? Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. I'll have Sari go second and then Ashley go last because you went over. Classic price is right rules. Oh, price is right rules. Got you. I got you. Okay. Here's my game. And it is called the gauntlet, the ultimate game of science, knowledge, strategy, and treachery. In the gauntlet, you and your opponents will face a series of seven questions of decreasing difficulty. I'll take turns asking you the questions mm, in order from right. seven to one. When asked a question, you may choose to answer or to pass. If you choose to answer, a correct answer gets you the amount of points equal to the question's number, and an incorrect answer loses you those points. So question seven is worth seven points, six is worth six points, and so on. If you answer incorrect, correctly the next person in order will have an opportunity to steal if they answer correctly they get the points but if they answer incorrectly they do not lose points if you pass your opponent gets asked the next question which is slightly less difficult after we've gone through all the questions the past questions are asked again and cannot be skipped a second time and a warning questions and answers to later questions may contain clues to the answers of earlier ones Mm. now prepare to enter the gauntlet Eyes oh and pies, eyes and pies edition. <laughs> oh, all right. Question one for Hank, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In what is widely considered to be the first written tale of the Sandman, 1816's Der Sandman, this impish little fellow throws sand into the eyes of children who won't go to sleep, causing the children's eyes to fall out. He would then steal the eyes away to the moon, where he would do what with them? <laughs> What would what? the Sandman do? <laughs> I couldn't have told you anything. I couldn't have told you any any single thing in that story. Like like everything was a twist, including the the thing I'm supposed to know. Pass, obviously. I'm not gonna okay. lose points making that- a guess about what the Sandman does with children's eyes on the moon. <laughs> well, you'll know before the end of the game. Uh, yeah. That was question seven, by the way. I said question one. Thank you, Faith. Yeah. Question mm-hmm. six is for Sari. The history of pies is a little complicated since there are a whole lot of words we use for food inside a pastry crust. But some historians say that the first known pie recipe comes from a Sumerian tablet dating to before 2000 BCE. What kind of pie is it a recipe for? I'll, I'll guess for the sake of it. A meat pie? Okay. More specific. No! Oh, no, that's got to be fine. <laughs> a, like a goat meat? Think of all the... Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're losing oh, six okay. points. Okay, <laughs> it was meat. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ashley, your question. Question five. Part of the reason eye crusties form mostly in our sleep is because the skin cells, oil, and other junk that make up eye crusties are washed away by our blinking and tears throughout the day. Thanks, tear ducts. Another thing that tear ducts help us do is cry. Weirdly enough, humans seem to be the only animals that cry. But in 2022, a paper was published that suggested that there's another animal that produces extra tears when experiencing emotions. What animal is it? 
Is it cows? I'm so sorry. You lose Dang five it. points. <laughs> no. Oh my oh, gosh. Wait. We're just. I think I was supposed oh, to. Wait, what? Oh, I, I was supposed yeah, to give you, you a chance to steal the pie question. It's true, but I mean, it can mm. be the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, it's not cows for either answer, so you lose four points. I, and then now, Hank, do you want to steal what the answer is to the, the question previous about crying animals? Is it elephants? It is not elephants. Oh, that was no. my other guess. Now I have nothing. <laughs> Hank does not lose points for that, though. I think it's Hank's turn again. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. pie crust. Such a pleasant word, invoking warmth and wholesomeness. But pie crusts weren't always called pie crusts. Around the 16th century, they went by this other, more macabre name. What was it? You want me to? Just guess the sad name of pie crusts. Yeah. Is it something to do with children's eyes and the moon? (laughs) No, it's not. It didn't have anything to do with that. Does it have the word skin in it? (laughs) (laughs) No, it does not have the word skin in it. Think about what, (laughs) think about a pie. Think about a pie. (laughs) Oh, okay. You pass. Sarah, would you like a chance to steal this? Um, I don't, I, yeah, I don't lose a point, right? No. Um, I think I know this. I think, is it oh. a pie coffin? It is a pie coffin. That's Ooh, it. Wow. Coffin, which actually All just right. meant box in Points. ye old English, so not really uh-huh. that creepy back then. The word coffin sure. was used back when pie crusts had the slightly more practical job of keeping savory foods sealed up and safe instead of just being a fun way to eat some hot fruit. Yeah. Okay, Sari, hmm. now your question again. Back on the topic of eye crusties, they go by many names, sleepies, eye boogers, sleep sand. But what is the actual clinical term for eye gunk? Uh, isn't it, I don't know how to say it, room, R-H-E-U-M? I also don't know how to say it, but it is room. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also Look wouldn't have you. got that. And it's generally harmless unless you have a whole lot of it, then you should go to the doctor. But you should clean it off and maybe do your dog a solid and clean their eye bugs off too because they can't reach them. Ashley, I don't know why I put this question at number two, but who allegedly was served the first cherry pie ever made? Oh, <laughs> what? That's so, <laughs> that should have been on like. This planet who had the first <laughs> That should have been like maybe number five or six. <laughs> yeah, was it was it the was it the hot hot rock band Warrant? <laughs> no, that was you know just what? for me and that was just for me and Tuna. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't for me. No. <laughs> yeah, you got all your SpongeBob references. Yeah. Where's your '80s hairband trivia? Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Oh, I got it. It took me a second, but I got it. Um. I mean, the reference to the 80s hairband, not the answer to this question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Hank, who do you think had the first cherry pie ever made? Well, it's got to be George Washington, the <laughs> first president of the United States of America. I was going to guess the president. <laughs> it wasn't George Washington, no. But also, Hank, here's another question for you. Now, to bring okay. eyes and pies together. The history of pie may have started with the humble and delicious chicken pie, but we've done some weird stuff to pies since then. Stargazy pie is a type of Cornish pie usually served around Christmas time, from out the top of which pop several fish heads, their dead eyes gazing up at the sky. <sighs> What kind of fish mm-hmm. are traditionally used in this pie? This pie is from England. It is from England, Cornish, wherever wherever Cornish oh, yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, I don't even know if it is. In, it's from the United Kingdom anyway. 
<laughs> don't know which of the Sorry. kingdoms Cornwall is in. Um, Cod. <laughs> Mackerel. That's a, that's a solid guess. And you guessed two? <laughs> <laughs> two. Sarah, what do you think? What kind of fish are we talking? That was wrong. That was wrong. Oh, okay. Both are wrong. Haddock? <laughs> I feel like that's a very British fish. Haddock? That is a very British fish. They're all, they're always talking about haddock over yeah. there. Yes. Uh, over on their little trivia game shows that I watch. <laughs> uh-huh. Nope, that's not right either. So now we got to okay. go back up to the top. And I'll just tell you the answers this time when you get them wrong. So it is widely considered to be the first written tale of the Sandman, 1816's uh-huh. Dursan. What does he do with their eyeballs? And this is a question for Sari, I believe. He takes them to the moon and he uh, he buries them for later. A little secret. Yeah. That would be a nice, yeah. nice compared to what he actually does, which is feed them he to his them. children. So oh, as children live on the moon. <laughs> yeah. In a nest. Yeah. I mean, they got, everybody's got to live somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, the abstract idea that you wake up with sand in your eyes because a guy comes around and sprinkles sand in your eyes while you sleep predates any narrative stories about the Sandman. But in the first recognized written story, he was a nasty little guy. And in 1841, Hans Christian Andersen wrote another story about the Sandman where he's a nice little guy who just helps you dream. And doesn't steal any of your eyeballs. Yeah. Uh, Okay, the history of pies. And this next one is for Ashley. The history of pie is a little complicated. There are a lot of words for pie. What was the first pie? What kind of pie was it? Chicken. It was chicken. You heard my clue. Did you I hear did. My clue? I was like, I hope that comes back to me, baby. Because that was going to be, I said cow ready for the other one, but I'm like, it's probably chicken pie because those are pretty classic. God bless a chicken. Yes. Thank you, chickens. Uh, Hank. Uh, question five. What is the other animal that cries? I'm going to get this wrong wrong again. <laughs> You've done a show about this, I think, recently. <laughs> that, that makes it worse. <laughs> I did feel like I had heard about it, but. Yeah. Is it human children? They're not the same species as us, right? Mm, come on. Uh, it's dogs. Yeah. It's dogs. Oh, no, it's dogs. Yeah, oh, the study measured the wetness the of dogs' eyes right after being reunited with their owners after several months <gasps> apart and found a dramatic increase in tear production. Oh, uh, no. And humans were also found to have more positive and nurturing emotions towards dogs with watery eyes. Isn't that sweet? It is. It's so they also, do that. Well, no, maybe they just evolved to look like they're crying so that we'll be nice to them. Yeah. That's probably really what it is, but, you know. <laughs> Husseri was the first person to ever eat cherry pie. Okay. Yeah, you should have swapped this one with the animal criers. Um, probably. My guess is Mark Antony and Cleopatra. They seem right, wealthy yeah. there. I don't know. That would be... That would be beautiful, but it was Queen Elizabeth I sometime in the 16th century, which also seems to mark the transition from the more solemn and utilitarian coffin type of savory pie to experimentation Mm. with more fun and fruity dessert pies. But also, I got to think somebody ate a cherry pie before the 16th century, because cherries are just crying out to be made into pies, in my opinion. And finally, uh, Ashley. What kind of fish are in this pie with that their heads are sticking out of it? We've heard haddock. We've heard cod. We've heard whatever Sari said. Mackerel. Mackerel. I said, I said, I said cod and mackerel. Ah. <laughs> True. Um, I'm going to say halibut. No, it is sardines. There's a little sardine oh. sticking there. Oh, the it's out of the top of this pie. Those aren't very dramatic heads. No, and I feel like no. there's a lot of bones in sardines, isn't there? I feel like that would be. I'm not really sure if you're supposed to eat them or not. Yeah, you're supposed to eat them. 
You are supposed to eat the heads? I assume so. That's why they put them on there. They're salty. You guys have never eaten a sardine? No, I used to love sardines when I was a kid, but then somewhere along the way, I uh, I lost my taste for them. No, I never liked them. It just seems like it's a thing you have to do sometimes. <laughs> it was never a thing that I was ha- I was forced to do in my lifetime. I I stayed away from them. You know, it's hot, hip right now. Tinned fish, though, so it's cool to eat tinned fish. Why? I don't know. Because it's cool. Yeah. Why is anything cool? I like a canned tuna. Like that's all. You're hip. But that's all bone bone off. Sarah's hip. Bone off. Yeah, boneless tuna. Yeah, no bone. Like a boneless chicken wing, which is just a nugget. Oh, this is a this is an argument. Boneless (laughs) chicken wings are just nuggets. Um, Speaking of having things removed from you, the scores are (laughs) Sari with negative eight, me with negative six, and Ashley with a big honking nothing, which is a huge win. Yes, which means you're winning for nothing. Let's. <laughs> Never been so proud to have achieved nothing in my life. Um, does that get added to the existing scores? You know, I think we're going to go by vibes to figure out who won, I guess. Yeah, it gets added to the existing scores. It does. Yeah. So you guys have. Uh, which I think that means that you win, Sam, because you, you didn't do. have to <laughs> go through this gauntlet. Yeah. So you got two points. Uh, Ashley, Ashley came out with one point, came out of that gauntlet with a solid point still, but Sam yep. was ahead. And now it's time to ask the science couch where we've got a, a listener question for our virtual couch of finely honed scientific minds. At yellow lime on Twitter asks, how does the crust know where to stop? How is burnt hmm. bread not all crust? Interesting. That's a great question. I, I hadn't ever thought about it, but I, I would assume it's a temperature thing. Mm. That the outside mm. just gets hotter for a for not very far. It seems cursed to eat a to slice into a, a thing of bread and it's all crust. That would be well. It might also be a moisture thing. So like the crust uh, forms and holds the moisture inside, and that right. but that outside doesn't have any moisture, so it's able to get hotter. It sacrifices yeah. itself so the inside can be, remain delicious bread. But Sarah probably knows the actual answer. I do, but you already got there, so hey. I don't have much to add. It is heat and moisture. So you take a doughy loaf of bread, and the crust forms as moisture evaporates from the surface. And so the uppermost layers of dough dry out and become rigid. Gluten coagulates and uh, like all the, the molecules, the bread molecules, as they desiccate, as they become drier, kind of like form this rigid, crusty structure. And then as the temperature continues to increase, then you start having some reactions between the sugars and amino acids causing the Maillard reactions, which are what cause the browning. Mm. So it doesn't just dry out. It, it becomes this like crispy golden brown. And if you keep heating it, then you get pyrolysis, which is burning where mm-hmm. the, the mm. char forms on the outside. So things burn away and you're left with this like carbon residue of, of blackness on the crust. And it is just thermodynamics, like more, more than anything. It's the amount of moisture, the amount of heat. And you can delay the crust from forming or form a thinner crust by adding humidity into the the oven as you bake your bread because then it keeps mm. everything moister. It makes it take longer for that outermost layer of dough to dry out and form that crust. And then it, yeah, traps, traps all the nice moisture inside. 
And that is also why you need to rest your bread a little bit before you cut into it usually, Um, not only because it's really Mm. hot, but because there's all this steam trapped inside from the hot moisture of the bread and you need that to evaporate the water molecules to resettle the structure of the bread to be good. Otherwise, you'll cut into your hot bread and it'll be real mushy on the inside. But you don't want that. You want a nice crumb. You want a nice, like, warm, fluffy, porous, but not damp inside your bread. Bread. Oh, damp crust. I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You guys believe bread? Like, ugh, bread. Yeah. Sorry to all the non-bread people out there. (laughs) Gosh. We figured it out so early, too. We were like cavemen. Were like, yeah, we did. Yeah. We did bread, and, and it was like, all right, those, <laughs> that piece is going to be trouble. No need to. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're 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 going they're going places. Uh, <laughs> no stopping them now. <laughs> Make bread. The bread trains are rolling, and it won't stop. Yeah, and sometimes we need to slow the bread train down. Maybe we can all just take a little bit of a breath, find ways to be satisfied without uh, just everything changing so much every every six months. <laughs> Sorry, I'm exhausted. What? <laughs> Was that, that about bread? That got personal. There's a point in that monologue where it stopped being about bread. And I was thinking about Olive Garden breadsticks that is an entire time. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about a good baguette. Yeah. I was like, how yeah. many Olive Garden breadsticks could I eat yeah. in one sitting realistically? I think yeah, like I'm seven. Thinking, I'm thinking about like GPT-7. I'm like, we are so screwed. Yeah. Ask that to invent some bread for you. See what that does. Oh my God. Well, thanks for your question. If you want to ask the Science Couch your question, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShow Tangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Or you can join the SciShow Tangents Patreon and ask us on our Discord. Thank you to at Bear Stravaganza and at Ariel Winona on Twitter and everybody else who asked us your questions for this episode. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a delight to have you on the show. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me again for another time for me to harass you guys. (laughs) <laughs> or see more of what you do. Well, I'm Ashley Roboto everywhere on the internet, but I mostly stream four days a week over on my Twitch channel. So if you like my shenanigans and want to hang out, uh, that's where you can find me for the most part. And I'd love to have you. You're one of the scariest people I follow on Twitter because sometimes I'll see a picture of you and your hands <laughs> will be feet and your feet will be hands. And then I will go, what the hell? What's that all about? Oh, yeah. You like my heat? <laughs> Hank, have you ever seen a heat photo of mine? I just Googled this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm both sorry, but also you're welcome because it's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, you're really changing the game. Oh, thanks. Look, it started out with I just didn't want to, you know, no feet for free on the internet, right? And then it was like, oh, people hate this. I love it. And so it's like the what the shadow fruit or whatever. Yeah. Uh huh. He's like, you wanted to look at, you wanted to see my feet. Yeah. Well, here instead. Um, <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, Unfortunately, you do have a wiki feet, and none of them I are feet. I uh, do. Pictures. Yeah, I need oh. to make a, a wiki feet account right now so that I can I get want. those heat up there. Yeah, take down the <laughs> so feet, put up the heat. Post but you will heat get pics. You'll get banned from wiki feet, Hank. Is that what you want? <laughs> What do they want? How are they going to prove that's not my real feet if we take away the old ones? Yeah. What are you going to do? No photo evidence. But you do have 
near almost perfect ratings five star beautiful feet on wiki feet. <laughs> oh, thank you i was just looking at this the other day and i'm like look do i have a wiki feet yes but are my feet perfect almost also yes hard to be mad in that situation yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. god if you would give me like two stars then i'd be like we'd have to fight but like god i guess if you're gonna give me rating then i'll take it no. <laughs> do the good ones <laughs> if you like this show and you want to help us out, it's real easy to do that. First, you can go to patreon.com slash scishowtangents, become a patron, and get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes, and a special thanks to our patron, Les Aker. Don't forget, also, once we hit 700 patrons, we will do a Minions movie commentary. So go subscribe! It's at patreon.com slash scishowtangents, and if you're already a patron, spread the word. We have to see the bits. <laughs> <laughs> Keep forgetting that lines in the show flow. Uh, second, if you, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's very helpful. It helps us know what you like about the show. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, you can just tell people tell about, people about us. us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. Are we switching the order? Sam, you're oh, first in the show flow. I'm first. Oh my God. <laughs> people aren't going to like this, but I've been Sam Schultz. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Ashley Romano. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz. Our associate producer is Faye Schmidt. Our editor is Seth Glicksman. Our story editor is Alex Billow. Our social media organizer is Julia Buzz Bazayo. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Trakravarty. Our sound design is by Joseph Tunamedish. Our executive producers are Nicole Sweeney and me, Hank Green. And we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire. But one more thing. Bat guano contains nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Historically, this crusty poop has been mined by humans to use as fertilizer, craft into gunpowder, or just to study what bats eat. One bat and bird guano deposit in Chile at the Pabellón de Pica... Oh, God. Pabellón de Pica Mountain, I looked up how to pronounce that earlier, (laughs) is especially cool because as this poop decomposes, it reacts with rocks in the cave. These poopy chemical reactions have created at least nine never-before-seen organic mineral crusts, including bright blue boharite and spiky purple chenabayite. These minerals won Mineral of the Year in 2020 and 2015, respectively. No, you can win Mineral of the Year. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I can't. You can't. We can't. Unfortunately. (laughs) Hey, maybe if you want to go to Chile and study back guano, you can also win Mineral of the Year, Hank. Well, no, I can't. The mineral wins (laughs) Mineral of the Year. You could lay down in the cave and grow something weird (laughs) new on you. And then people will say. That is the thing I need to do. I need to be, (laughs) I need to get encrusted with some mineral that's never existed before. Yeah. Bright purple. You need to get I, so crusty, we can't separate the hank from the crust, and then yeah. you'll win. Yeah, it's great, and not at all a sci like a sci-fi horror movie waiting to happen. <laughs> I think it's more achievable for me personally than like an egot <laughs> to become mineral of the year. <laughs> oh.